Nearly a decade ago, I found myself filling the hours by listening to podcasts while my husband, Brooks, was training with the U.S. Army. Walking the streets of our Army post, I dreamt of creating something for women that bridged that gap between sermon audio and small talk. It was on the floor of my tiny closet on post that that very dream, the Dream for the Journey Women podcast, came to fruition in June of 2017. And today, by God's grace, Journey Women is now a not-for-profit ministry with the aim of moving women to know and love God more. Our monthly and one-time givers help make our mission possible. If you'd like to support the work that we do, you can make a tax-deductible donation by visiting journeywomen.org forward slash give. Thank you for investing in the work of Journey Women. Welcome to the Journey Women Podcast. I'm your host, Hunter Belis. Life's a journey we were never meant to walk alone. We all need friends along the way. On the Journey Women Podcast, we'll chat with mentors about gracefully navigating the seasons and challenges we'll face on our journeys to glorify God. This week, we're tackling the final episode in our series, Walking Alongside One Another In with Susan Hunt. Susan is a former pastor's wife. She served as coordinator of women's ministries for the PCA, and she's authored several dozen books for women and children, of which I have greatly benefited from personally. We have the joy of hearing from this woman who has weathered many decades of ministry about how we too can persevere for a lifetime of ministry. Susan, welcome back to the Journey Women podcast. Thank you, Hannah. We have had some major technical difficulties this morning, so I don't know about you, but I feel a real gratitude for actually being able to hear your voice in real time right now. I agree. It's it's been an adventure, hasn't it? Oh, the internet always is. You know, it's been about one and a half years since the last time we had you on Journey Women, and so much has happened since that time. It's amazing because I feel like I just spoke to you. We talked about the local church, which is something that you're so passionate about. And so many women found that conversation helpful. It's actually one of my favorite conversations that I've ever been able to air on the Journey Women podcast. At the risk of bringing on the tears early on in the conversation, can you tell us, catch us up a little bit about what's gone on in life since our last conversation? Yes, I'm I'm glad to do that. In fact, it was nine months ago today that my beloved husband went to heaven. And the word widow still does not come naturally to me. It's a little awkward to say it. But at the same time, I want to give testimony that from the moment he took his last breath on this earth, I felt new dimensions of God's presence and his love his protection, his comfort, his peace, and even his joy. And that has been my journey, a stumbling, sometimes speeding, very awkward journey, but at the same time, a sacred journey. I think the thing that has surprised me the most has been the joy of the Lord. Hmm. The joy of the Lord really has been my strength. I love Psalm 21, 6. I I recite it all the time. You make me glad with the joy of your presence. Mm. He does. He is doing that. And I'm I'm so grateful. You know, when I heard the news of 
Jean passing, my heart went out because if you listen to our original conversation, you guys have so enjoyed building a life together by God's grace and all the children and grandchildren that God has so graciously given. You were such a vibrant part of your day to day. And so I was grieving alongside you. And it's such an incredible testimony just to hear God's grace to you in and through your loss. Thank you so much for sharing that. And, you know, that's really what I wanted to talk to you about today, not just loss, but just enduring the many, many seasons of ministry that we experience over a a lifetime. For those who don't know you, can you tell them where are you at? I'm, I'm assuming they can imagine with children and grandchildren, they know you've lived many decades, but tell them a little bit more about yourself and how you got started in ministry and what that's looked like for you over the years that God's given you. Well, I'm 80 years old and Jean and I were married almost 57 years. And so we just had such a blessed life together and we have three adult children who all live close by, 13 grandchildren, most of whom live close by. So they are in and out of my life. We live life together. They're in and out of my house and it's a joyful life together. And so his presence is very much with us now, but I grew up in church and was very religious, but I did not know Jesus. And after I graduated from college and was working, there was such an emptiness in my soul that I finally determined I had to do something religious to fill that space. And the only thing I knew to do was to go to seminary. In those days, the denominational seminary had a track for women that you could go for a year and be trained to do ministry work in the local church. And so I went to seminary, not knowing I was an unbeliever. And during the first week in a Bible class of one of the older professors, I came face to face with Jesus. And everything I had heard all my life fell into place. And it was it was absolutely wonderful. And a week or two later, I met Jean. And so we began dating. I finished my year and we got married. And then he still had a year and a half. So I worked in a local church in our seminary community with children. And then we were off to our first church. And from there on, it was just whatever needed to be done. I did it and we did it together. And we loved the life of ministry. It was not always easy. One of the wonderful things about being old is we can look back and clearly see that the hard parts really were good parts because they drew us closer. Yeah, well, it's wonderful to get to hear you talk about the church. I would highly encourage people going back and listening to your last episode because your love for God's people just flows so organically in the way you speak about uh, the church. What is it that actually enables us to do ministry? You you alluded to your salvation and how that was really kind of the, the beginning of your ministry. Who enables us to walk alongside others in their various joys and hardships in this work that he gives us? It's all the work of God's Spirit working in us and working through his word. So his word and his spirit, and then all the beings of grace, worship, prayer, sacraments, fellowship, 
ministry within the context of God's covenant family mm. protects us, it energizes us, it instructs us as we learn from one another. Mm. And then also I think life experiences. I think back to 2 Corinthians 1, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in our affliction so that we can comfort those in other afflictions. Hmm. And so it's this just wonderful dynamic of God comforting us and then using that resurrection power of the life of Christ in us to equip us to share that comfort with others. It's just such a beautiful, wonderful process. The more we know him by him comforting us, the more we can share him with others. Life is crazy sometimes, and finding time to sit down and read the Bible can be difficult. That is why I love Dwell. When I can't find time to read the Bible, I can listen to it. The voices reading the Bible are soothing. They're not your normal narrators. Plus, you can choose calming background music and adjust the pace of the narrator's voice to get things just right. Dwell's newest release is called Dwell Daily, a fresh, thoughtfully crafted devotional that immerses you in the Word, allowing you to pray it, meditate on it, and so much more. If you're looking to deepen your engagement with the Bible this year, Dwell Daily is worth checking out. I cannot recommend Dwell enough to help you orient your mind to the life-giving Word of God throughout your day. Go to dwellbible.com forward slash journeywomen to receive your 25% discount today. Again, that's dwellbible.com forward slash journeywomen for your 25% discount to subscribe and spend time in God's Word. When is the book going to release? It's called Aging with Grace. Mm -hmm. Uh, It will be released early January. That's very soon to when this podcast will air. And you talk about that, the way that as we continue to grow in godliness and to grow in God's grace by his grace, how we're able to like really, you use this really beautiful example of like growing in godliness and flourishing like a tree. Like we see that analogy in Psalms and like sheltering others underneath you could do a much better job explaining that. Oh, I love hearing you say it back to me. That's wonderful. <laughs> Thank you. Love that picture. And it really is a joy to get to be able to come alongside others as they're walking through various joys and hardships. What has been the joy that you've experienced in getting to do that and cheer on the work of the gospel in the lives of other people? It's all such a joy, and I'm so glad you gave me this question in advance. I spent a lot of time really thinking, how do I bring this down to some specifics? And there would be an endless list. But I think, first of all, that amazing commission that our Savior gave us before he ascended to heaven to go and make disciples. Yes. What an amazing thing that... We are on mission to do that. But a command is bracketed by his words that all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And then we have the command. And then he says, I'm with you always to the very end of the age. So to know that we go forth under the authority of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, 
and that he is with us as we do this amazing thing, it takes your breath away. Mm -hmm. I just can never get over it. He does not call out a few men in each decade of history and just give those men and women this assignment, but he gives it to every one of us. The woman who is teaching a Sunday school class or the woman who is mentoring another woman, the mother who is teaching her children. And we read in Daniel that those who lead many to righteousness shine like the stars in heaven. And that's us. We are all shining stars in his kingdom. So that's one joy, just to be a part of such an amazing commission. What opportunities has the Lord set before you where you get to lead others to righteousness like Susan mentioned? If you're like me, this looks like lovingly correcting your kiddos and asking for forgiveness when you fail them. It looks like hanging out with your neighbors and asking for opportunities to share the hope that you have in Jesus. As a stay-at-home mom, I am so encouraged by the reality that God intends to use us for His purposes and His glory exactly where He has us. It makes me think about Paul's words to the Corinthian church in 2 Corinthians when he says, Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making His appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. An ambassador is a diplomat sent by a country as an official representative. Ambassadors don't represent themselves. Their job is to deliver a message on behalf of someone else. As believers, we represent Christ, and the message that we have been given is this, reconciliation. So we don't need to stress out about all the ministry opportunities we feel like we ought to be doing today. Instead, we rest knowing that we have been sent by God to do exactly what He set before us today and that He's already given us the message we are to deliver. Be reconciled to God through Christ. All we have to do is walk by the Spirit and proclaim that truth right wherever He has us today. And then I love what the old Apostle John said in his third letter, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. And having lived as long as I have, I can see the long view of that. I see people that we discipled when they were children, and now I get to watch the fruit in their lives. And there is no greater joy than that. But then also not only being a part of his kingdom expansion, and seeing the results of it in the lives of others. But Hunter, we also see the results in our own lives. And that gives great joy. I love the way Paul describes the way he discipled others in 2 Thessalonians. He said, we were gentle among you like a nursing mother taking care of her own children. So being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our own selves, because you had become very dear to us. So here we see this discipleship process where we share the gospel. That's the informational aspect of discipleship. But we all do so do that in the context of relationships. We share ourselves with them. But listen to that third part. Why do we do this? Because they, the ones we're discipling, has become very dear to us. Mm. That's the transformational aspect 
of discipleship. It's not because we see results in their lives. We do sometimes, and that's wonderful. But they become dear to us. Why, why would they be dear to us? It's because they become more important to us than we are to ourselves. Discipleship is costly. Mm-hmm. That is the transformational work of God's Holy Spirit in us, causing us to love others more than we love ourselves. And when I get a glimpse of that in myself, someone asked me recently, how do you keep loving people that I know are disappointing you? And I thought, how do I do that? And it's because of the work of the Holy Spirit in me, causing me to love them. Wow. That brings me joy. Yes, it does. Susan, your whole ministry really has, I mean, it sprung forth from the word. Like you see that in all the books that I've read from you, which are countless at this point. But one of the things that you talk about so often is this concept of discipleship. And actually, I was sitting outside talking to a friend of mine who listens to the podcast. And she asked me, you say discipleship, you say disciple a lot in your podcast. And she said, what does it mean? So I'd love for the women who are developing kind of an understanding of what it means to be in a discipleship relationship, what it means to be a disciple, if they could hear that from you, because actually my encapsulation of, of what I shared with her, I think is derived from much of what I've learned from you. So let's, let's hear it from the horse's mouth. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is not a formula. It is not a checklist. It's a way of life. Listen again to Paul's words. We share the gospel and our life. So it goes back to Deuteronomy, where we're told to talk of the Lord as we rise up, as we lie down, as we walk along the road. We're to tell the next generation the mm-hmm. praiseworthy deeds of the Lord. So there may be some more formal discipleship relationships where you actually meet and study the word together. There may be more teaching discipleship times when you teach a Bible class, mm-hmm. but it's also those conversations after church or over coffee. It's just inviting others into our life to see how do we grieve? How do we rejoice? How do we live life? Mm. And we just talk of him in a very natural way as we go about life. So don't try to put discipleship into a box because it's too big for that. It's all of life. Yes. You often talk about it as spiritual mothering. And as a mom, that really helps me develop a framework for it. Because mothering, like you said, is this very organic, very messy process in which I am constantly learning. I don't have, like you said, a formula that's going to work for me on a day-to-day basis. And it's really my hands and saying, okay, God, like, help me, help me to shepherd these people uh, that you have given to me in a way that honors you and that points them to you. Obviously with children, that's one of my primary facets of ministry right now. And I know that's something that I'm called to. So I'll be saying yes to being a mother, (laughs) you know, every day. And I'm curious though, you know, there's these other opportunities that kind of come forth, whether it's teaching a Bible study, like you mentioned, or teaching a Sunday school class, or even like maybe somebody coming to you and saying, hey, would you more formally disciple me? 
How did you discern and do you to this day, what opportunities to say yes to that come your way in ministry? I thought a lot about that. And I thought, well, back in those early days, well, always my husband and I would talk about it and pray about it. But for the most part, it's just been whatever needed to be done. We stepped in and we did it. And we didn't think a lot about our giftedness. We just did it. But, you know, I'm so glad that it was that way because eventually the thing that I think we both realized, especially me, is that when God puts something before us, he opens a door and nudges us through it. He will then enable us to do it. He He gives us the gifts then. It's not a matter of evaluating the gifts and then doing it. If it needs to be done and I'm the one there, just do it. And then he meets us there and he he enables us to do it. It's such an adventure because all along the way, I found myself doing things that I never dreamed of doing. I never thought about am I gifted to do this. I just did it. And then he enabled me and he brought people along side me to help me and to cheer me on Hmm. so it's almost comical I never dreamed of writing a book never wanted to write a book but it needed to be done and so I was the staff person and when the committee I worked with said we need this in writing (laughs) so I know that maybe it doesn't sound very spiritual or very thoughtful but it sure was a wonderful adventure and it's still the same thing. How do I grieve, Lord? I don't know how to do this, but he enables me to know how to do it. Yes, yes. I love that so much. And that's such an encouragement to me. One of the things I often say about myself is, you know, kind of the encapsulation of the disciples. He called the disciples. What they do, they followed and they were dubbed as unschooled and ordinary. And I'm yeah. like, I'm the definition unschooled and ordinary. <laughs> I definitely fit the ordinary. I find so much encouragement there. You know, as I've gone about various facets of ministry, I have often found myself really, really tired. What is it that's fueled you to persevere in godliness and in gospel ministry through seasons where you feel stretched really thin? Again, we come back to those resources he has given us, the means of grace, his word, his spirit, Prayer, worship, sacraments, fellowship, that's what fuels us because all of that takes us back to God. Mm-hmm. And it's it's not my perseverance, but it it's his perseverance with me, his steadfast love and faithfulness to me. I, I love 2 Corinthians 5.14. The love of Christ controls us. I misread that for a very long time. I thought it was saying, my love for Christ controls or compels me. That's not what it says. It's his love for me. And that is so true. So the more I read the word, the more I see his love. Mm -hmm. The more I participate in worship, the more I see his love for me. And that's what fuels us, is that ever-growing knowledge of his love. I love the prayer from that hymn, Lord, make me thine forever, and should I fainting be, 
Lord, let me never, never outlive my love for thee. That's my prayer. Mm. But over time, I begin, maybe as I get older, I may outlive my love for Jesus. I may forget. My mind may fail me. But my comfort and my confidence is I will never outlive his love for me. Mm. And that's what I hold on to. Wow. I love that thought. It just reminds me of how the Lord is our keeper. <laughs> like, And I just love how you constantly give him all the glory and credit for your right standing before him. When I felt really tired and burned out, I'm losing sight of like the point. <laughs> if you could encapsulate like where ought our fixation be as we go about the work of walking alongside others, when you lose sight of that, what are we prone to experiencing? It is so easy to become weary in ministry. And as we're right now in this odd time of this pandemic, Mm -hmm. just the weariness of an unfamiliar situation, all of those things, it's so easy. And I think we need to be aware of that and Always keep it in mind, not just wait until we're in that place of weariness, but prevent it and remember the things that we just need to think biblically. Yeah. Whenever I begin to feel myself going in that direction, I just spend several days praying through Ephesians 1 and focusing on all that God has done and is doing for me in Christ. And I just go through there and thank him for all of those things. I just stay in that as long as I need to to get me back in focus. Another one is Psalm 100. Think about that. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. And then there's that line, serve the Lord with gladness. So when I begin to think and to realize, I'm not serving with gladness. I'm serving out of obligation and duty. Then I have to go back to this and just sink down into the psalm. All that it tells me about myself, all that it tells me about him, it's he who made us. We're his. We're his people. We're his sheep. And so that just lifts our spirits when we realize that. And then the the last line, that is written on a scripture sign in our living room that we have our children and grandchildren repeat every time we gather together for a meal. The Lord is good, his steadfast love endures forever, and his faithfulness to all generations. We just need to stay in those places in scripture and remind ourselves of those things. But then also just to go back to that very first question of the Westminster Shorter Catechism. What is our chief end? It's to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. So when I start sinking down into that despair and weariness, I have to ask myself these questions. Why am I doing this? Is it for my glory or his glory? I'm doing it for his glory. That energizes me. But then I have to ask, do I really think this whole thing depends on me? Or have I released it? Am I giving it to him? And what happens with it is okay. That's so freeing. It may not to the world look like success, but if his purpose is accomplished, then it's a good thing. 
Am I possessive of this ministry? Am I dependent on it to give me significance? Those are important questions to ask ourselves when we start sinking in that. And another thing is, we need to be careful that we are never doing ministry alone, Mm -hmm. that we are doing it with a team of people, that there are other brothers and sisters alongside of us who can recognize when we begin sinking into weariness and despair and who can come along and help us. So if we're going it alone, we probably will sink into weariness. And then I always remember a friend told me that she grew up hearing her dad, who was a pastor, say, and that is, God does not use us to get the ministry done. Mm-hmm. He uses the ministry to get us done. And that's so free. I love that. That'll preach. <laughs> People will message me about Journey Women, and I know they probably do this about your books and things like that. They'll tell me what they've learned, and I'm like, Praise God, because I'm telling you, I'm learning the exact same thing, or the Lord is using this in my life far more than he uses it in anyone else's. Such a kindness. So I I really appreciate those exhortations, because I think for me, sometimes I'll get really busy going down the ministry checklist, if you will, and I will lose sight of what you're talking about, lose sight of just kind of gazing on God's glory, treasuring him and time spent with him in his word. You know, that's something I, I seem to always be forgetting, and I really am frustrated by that. I need to write it on my list of things to tell myself every day. But I'd love to hear from you, like what looking back when you're a younger woman, like say in your 20s, 30s, like many of our listeners, uh, what kind of advice would you offer maybe to yourself as you were going about walking alongside other people in ministry during that season of your life? I would say to continually remind ourselves that We are here for God's glory. And that is the most spectacular purpose imaginable. I can actually glorify God in the hard places, in the easy places, in the weeping, in the rejoicing. That is my reason for being. And it is that he would use me to reflect his glory. Don't let yourself ever get get over that. It should leave us absolutely breathless the most amazing reason we could be here. So focus on it. And then I would pray more and I would trust more. Mm -hmm. I would just release more. But if we really pray and release everything to the Lord, there is such freedom in that. All right. So what is it that you need to prayerfully release to the Lord? Let's not glaze over that question. What has the Lord set before you that you're feeling anxious about today? What tasks has he given you that you feel a desire to control or try and overmanage? To get your wheels turning, I'm going to throw a few of mine out there, and then we'll give you a few seconds to process and pray right now. For me, it's mothering. It's homeschooling. It's sharing the gospel with my neighbors and friends. It's this podcast for crying out loud. (laughs) Now it's your turn. Take a few seconds and ask the Lord if there's anything that you need to prayerfully release to Him, trusting that He is faithful and that He will accomplish His purpose.
the other thing that I'm really learning so much about right now in this season is to give thanks in all circumstances and to rejoice in all circumstances. And that's possible because he's in control of all circumstances. And he has promised that he will work all things. That's such an inclusive word. But he will work all things together mm-hmm. to form us more and more into the image of Christ. And so if he's doing that with all things, then I can rejoice and give thanks in all things. doesn't mean that we give thanks for all things, but in the middle of it, we can thank him because he's using it to make us more like Jesus. That is so, so wonderful. Nothing is random. Nothing is wasted. As Paul said, what has happened to me, and he wrote this from prison, what has happened to me has served to advance the gospel. Happens to me at any moment in time, God will use to advance the gospel. Praise the Lord. It really is an adventure, Hunter. It's a, a never ending adventure, even as my body is so weak and my mind is so slow, but He uses even this to advance the gospel. Oh, I love it so much. And you're also encouraging me that even. When Bo has a blowout diaper, or when I just spilled my latte that I brought home to have during this interview on on the rug, that oh. none of it is wasted. And you say that so often, particularly in Aging with Grace, just none of this is wasted. And that's such a potent encouragement as we face the real hardships that will come our way in ministry. You know, Jean was a pastor, and so you served many years as a pastor's wife. We have so many, many women who are pastor's wives that listen to this show. I love you guys. One of the things that I want to hear from you is how we can come alongside our pastor's wives and offer them support and encouragement. Because to the degree that I think I experience hardship in ministry, you know, I can only imagine when you are shepherding a congregation, how much more exposed you are just to the hardships and and the need of your of your people, the people that God's given you. And so I can imagine uh, the burden that you have carried as a, a pastor's wife through the years. I imagine the burden that many of them are carrying even now. And I would love to know how we could come alongside them and specifically our pastors in our local churches and offer them support. We as pastor's wives inflict a heavy burden on ourselves. We think we should do this and should do this because we're the pastor's wife. Mm-hmm. And it's really not, my experience has been, it's not the congregation so much that do us do that to us. We do it to ourselves. So what I would say to other women out there is help to lift that burden, just communicate to them that we just want to know and love you. We don't expect you to be able to teach a Bible study because you're the pastor's wife or play the piano because you're the pastor's wife. We just want to know and love you and then love their children, love their families and encourage them about that. Uh, So often we had older people in our congregation who would just love our kids and encourage us about our kids. And even when, The kids didn't always do right. They would teach us to laugh about that. And so just 
just try to help them along and to lift that burden of what they think are the expectations. But another thing I remember so well early in our marriage, older women who would tell me how wonderful my husband was. They would tell me how much they were getting from his sermons. And they helped me love my husband. They helped me not to put expectations on my husband because I would realize they love him and they're grateful for him. And so I grew in my gratitude for him. And so just remind the pastor's wife how much you appreciate their husbands, and then they will appreciate him more too. Pray for them. Just pray and let them know you're praying. And then if they are young pastor's wives with children, oh, I can remember so many times different ones that would babysit for us so that we could have a night out. Do those very practical things like that for them. That's a real encouragement to me just to vocalize some of the things that I see, but that I may not take time to name and to offer to our pastor's wife here. Susan, I really love Aging with Grace. It sounds like a book exclusively on aging, which is really important. And when I say aging, I mean kind of in the um, commercial sense, like beauty creams and Botox. And while you guys definitely do address that in the book, it's more of just this encapsulation of you looking back on your years of ministry and saying, hey, let's just seek to grow in godliness. And here's how we can do that biblically. You also like offer this beautiful exposition of Uh, women throughout redemptive history going through these stories of women from the scriptures and then also, you know, talking about women that you know who have endured in ministry. And that was such an encouragement to me. So I want to recommend wholeheartedly Aging with Grace for women of every age. I was so thankful to have read it at the age of 32, just kind of standing on the front side of maybe God willing a lifetime of ministry, who knows how many days I have. But that was such a joy for me to read. Do you have any encouragement or resources that have been a help to you that you would offer to the listeners, maybe as something that they could utilize after listening to today's conversation? The Word itself, and then every opportunity to study the Word. And I cannot emphasize enough to sit under the preaching of the Word, but to also be in small groups where you're then talking about the application of that Word. And when possible, to do this older and younger women together. That's one of the things that my co-author with the book Aging and Grace is Sharon Betters. And our prayer is that older and younger women will use this book together to just learn what does it mean to flourish in every season of life. God says that the righteous will flourish, even in old age. So, those relationships with others that can help you to flourish. But then there's such a wealth of books. I could not even begin to list specific ones, but read those good, wonderful books. Listen to these podcasts. I'll listen to them all day. Oh, I love yours. And I just love listening to it and learning from them all. There's so many resources available for us through technology. So take if an 80-year-old can learn how to do it, my grandkids set it all up for me and they helped me. But oh, my podcast are just all of you are my friends. And so take advantage of every opportunity to learn more of the Lord and to be with his people and to learn from them. 
to rejoice together and to be together. God's covenant community is such a precious place for us to belong. I love that so much, Susan. That makes me smile. And I think the footnotes of your books are a great place to see who's kind of discipled you through their writing. A lot of Sinclair Ferguson, a lot of the catechisms. I love reading your books because I'm always like, okay, I need to go read that one too, and that one too, and that one too. And what we hope will happen, that it will lead you to many other wonderful, wonderful resources. Well, that's definitely one of my simple joys in ministry is just getting to connect with those who've gone before me and to learn from them. That's why I started this podcast. You know, we heard from you what your three simple joys were in the original conversation. So I thought it'd be fun to hear three of your simple joys, ministry related. What are your three simple joys in ministry? The joy of belonging. Think about we belong to Jesus and we belong to each other. Just stop and enjoy that and value it. Value your church. This belonging is eternal. We belong to to the great eternal church of God in all ages. We also belong to that global church. This is big. But we live out that reality as we belong to our local church. My church is small. It's mainly older people, but there's some younger ones that we just love having them among us. Just the joy of belonging to them. So that's a great joy. And then one of the great joys is realizing that I'm part of an eternal story, a very big story. And every single thing that happens to me is a little part of that eternal story. So again, there's nothing random and nothing wasted. It all matters. Even the most mundane is a part of the magnificent. Hmm. What a joy that is. And then for me now at this stage of life, the joy of the long view. From my 80-year-old vantage point, I can look back and see that really did matter. That really did turn out for my good. I can look at all of those things. And so try, no matter how young you are, try to stop and take the long view and realize, I don't see it right now. This really does matter for eternity. Mm. What a joy that is. Mm-hmm. That'll put some, I don't know, wind under your wings. Like you're like, okay, this is, none of this is wasted. That's such an encouragement. Susan, it's so evident that over the years, God has just been so gracious as you've, I think, you know, really uh, immersed yourself in his covenant community, given you so many opportunities to learn from other people in ministry. I'd love to hear who is it that's had the greatest impact on the way that you walk alongside others and point them to Jesus? Of course, there's so, so many, but primarily my precious husband. And as I think about him and I think about how he did lie, everything is just reminding me and teaching me He's had such an impact. Gene was not a high-profile preacher, but 
as our grandson said at the funeral, he said, you know, I imagine Jane getting to heaven and running to meet John Calvin and John Knox and have conversations with him. But what I think about are all the people who are running to meet Gene Hunt because he loved them so well. Mm. That's what he did. He loved me so well. He loved our children and our grandchildren. And he loved the congregation. I have so many conversations with people and letters from people that tell me of things he did the way he sat at the hospital for hours with them or the way he welcomed them to our church and took care of them and helped them meet other people. Those are not stories anybody else knew about as they were happening, but I'm hearing about them now. And his way of life, of just loving and caring for people, is the thing that is teaching his children and me, the joy of being a part of God's kingdom. Mm. Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. I'm so thankful. What a testament his life is to God's grace. Same for you, my friend. You have given us just a picture of the long view of ministry. And I will treasure this conversation always. And I thank you so much. I praise God for his faithfulness to you. And I also thank you for his faithfulness, for your faithfulness to him and to his people, myself included. Thank you for joining the podcast today. We pray this conversation with Susan encourages you to press on in the work that the Lord has set before you for his glory. This conversation with Susan is the last episode in our series, Walking Alongside One Another In. If you've enjoyed these conversations, it would be a huge blessing to us if you'd leave a rating and review on iTunes. Doing so really does help get the podcast into the hands of other women on their journeys to glorify God. And don't worry, peeps, we'll be back with a brand new series on November 9th. And while you wait, be sure to catch us on socials over at Journey Women Podcast for our fall shop. From October 26th to October 30th, you'll be able to purchase authentic Journey Women merch. You can find the shop on our website, journeywomenpodcast.com slash shop. This doesn't happen often, so make sure you set a notification on your calendar so that you don't miss it. Today's episode was mixed and produced by Chad Michael Snavely and the team at Sound On, Sound Off. We are so grateful for them and for you. It's a joy to get to journey alongside you guys. Can't wait to see you here next month.